0: I'm Justin Lesko, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Brown Belt and former pro MMA fighter. Don't wash your belt or else you'll lose all your Jiu-Jitsu powers. Hicks and Gracie was 450 and 0. You can't get better at no Gi without training in the Gi. These are some pretty silly jujitsu myths, and believe it or not, that's not the end of the jujitsu myth list. That's harder to say than I thought it would be, and what you're hearing right now is like the fourth or fifth take of me trying to say it. Sometimes people believe really silly things, and I've got a fun list today of the weirdest, funniest, strangest myths about jujitsu. And I hope you know by now that Epic Roll is proof that the myth that you have to spend a ton to get quality grappling apparel is a bunch of malarkey. And that's a word I don't think I've ever said before in my life. Epic Roll has the best geese, rash guards, fight shorts, t-shirts, hoodies, joggers, and more. And even though their stuff is the highest quality you can get, it won't break the bank. Plus, you can take an additional 15% off your order at epicrollbjj.com when you use the code PODCAST15 don't believe what you hear when people say quality stuff needs to be expensive check out epic roll and don't waste more money on stuff that wasn't designed specifically for jiu-jitsu give epic roll a follow on instagram at Roll bjj and visit Roll bjj.com coupon code podcast 15 now let's go myth busting welcome to that jujitsu podcast Myth number one, the Gracies invented Jiu Jitsu. You may be forgiven if you are under the impression that the Gracie family saw a need for a new martial art, decided to make one and invented Jiu Jitsu from scratch and revolutionized the world. The Gracie family is sort of mythologized in martial arts and that's part of why most people believe the version of events I just laid out. However, it's not entirely accurate. It is true that the Gracies changed martial arts forever. It is true that their system of grappling and self-defense completely changed combat sports. It is not true that they invented Jiu-Jitsu from scratch. They didn't even invent the name. The very long story short is that Carlo and Elio Gracie learned Judo from Mitsuya Maeda and adapted it to be the Jiu Jitsu we know today. Judo at the time was commonly known as Kano Jiu Jitsu, so the Gracie's dropped the Kano, added Gracie to the front, and Gracie Jiu Jitsu was born. The Gracies changed some techniques and added some things based on their own experimentation with the Judo that they had learned, especially the Nuwaza or ground techniques, and their big focus was on smaller athletes being able to defeat larger ones using these ground techniques. They definitely revolutionized the sport, they didn't invent it out of thin air, and to ignore the massive contribution of Judo to jujitsu jitsu is a big error. Myth number two, size doesn't matter. I talked about it in the last myth, the Gracies emphasize the small man beating the big man. It is true that someone who trains Jiu Jitsu can easily defeat someone who isn't trained. There are limitations to this. Jiu Jitsu does not make you invincible, unfortunately. If you weigh 150 pounds and you get in a street fight with a guy who weighs 250 pounds and is decently athletic, you might still be in for a rough time. Size also matters in sport jiu-jitsu, there's a reason the absolute division is not usually won by someone from the lowest weight classes. It happens, but not a lot. Strength matters, and size matters. BJ Penn had the mindset that he was going to win the UFC 155 pound belt, then move up to win the 170 belt again, then move up to 185 and win the belt there, and so on and so on until he was heavyweight champion of the world. His mindset was that his technique was better than everyone else's, so size doesn't matter. Unfortunately, it does. When two people are both skilled, even if one is more skilled than the other, if one person has a huge size and strength advantage, that will come into play. BJ is a legend and the fact that he lost a close decision to Lyoto Machida when Machida outweighed him by like 40 pounds is crazy. You should go on YouTube and watch that fight, but size does matter especially for us mortals not named BJ Penn. Myth three, jiu-jitsu does not work in the streets. I'm really tempted to just leave this section incredibly short and say, it does. It absolutely does, it just does. But I don't think that would be very satisfying to listen to, so I'll go a little deeper. If you train in boxing or Muay Thai or jiu-jitsu, you immediately have a massive advantage over an untrained opponent in a self-defense situation in the street. How many times have you seen free trial class guy come in and get just absolutely ragdolled by white belts? Not even super experienced grapplers, six month white belts. The ability to control and manipulate an opponent is like a superpower. That being said, if you're in a self-defense situation and someone has a weapon, you better flee as fast as possible if that is an option. But in an unarmed attack, jujitsu is the best thing for you. I actually posted a few videos recently on Instagram showing jujitsu working for self-defense. Make sure you're following me on Instagram. The link is in the episode notes. But jujitsu is not karate. It will actually work in a fight. Myth number four, you have to train in the gi to get better at no gi or vice versa. This myth is an old school thought process wherein you're only really going to get better at one aspect of jiu-jitsu if you train both aspects of jiu-jitsu. I would argue, however, that at this point, no-gi and gi-jiu-jitsu are wildly different. I wouldn't go so far as to say they are completely different sports, but I do think that they are so different that you cannot approach them the same. Basically, I'm saying the exact opposite of this myth. Breaking grips on your gi and defending lapel chokes has zero benefit to someone who only competes in no gi. There is a reason you see teams like B Team and New Wave only training and competing in no gi. For the beginner and the hobbyist, I think you should roll in both and I personally enjoy both. I just competed in a no gi sub only fight, you can watch that video on youtube, the link to youtube is below in the episode notes. But in the lead up to that, I still trained in both gi and no gi because one, I like them both and two, I'm not an elite competitor that only needs to focus on one of them. More time on the mat will make you a better grappler, regardless if it's Gi or no Gi. But the idea that you can't get really good at no Gi if you don't also train in the Gi just isn't true. Myth number 5, Hicks and Gracie was 450 and 0. Hicks and Gracie is on the Mount Rushmore of Jiu Jitsu and he is a living legend. He was not 450 and 0 in fights. The man himself is sticking to this tale, saying, "Quote: Every tournament I entered after I turned 18, weight class or open weight division, I submitted every match I had and never lost. I entered Lutalevrai tournaments back when Holes was excited about it. I never lost there either." End quote. He also has said, "Quote." Sambo tournaments in Brazil and in the United States, I also never lost, street fights against guys that were really tough, professionals or street fights with surfers, fights with Luta Livre guys, jiu-jitsu tournaments, seminars, any other situation, every time I faced an opponent, he was submitted. I never won by points, and counting very superficially, it's at least 450 fights, so I set that as my record, end quote. You could dispute this just based on the, come on bro, 450 fights, logic, but you don't have to because Hickson lost to Judo Black Belt and World Sambo Champion Ron Tripp at the U.S. Sambo Championships in Norman, Oklahoma in 1993, and that's a matter of record. If Hickson is saying Sambo wins count towards his 450, then a Sambo loss has to count against his 0 too. Did he lose more than that? Well, that's the only recorded loss I can find, and the 450 seems inflated by roles at seminars and in training and street fights with untrained guys, but who am I to call Hickson a liar? Myth number six, you shouldn't wash your belt. I hate this one. If you wash your belt, you will not lose all of your jiu-jitsu powers. Your jiu-jitsu magic will not be washed away. Do you know what will be washed away? MRSA and Ringworm. Your belt is almost always in contact with the mat. The mat is where bacteria live. Just because you likely aren't sweating directly onto your belt like you are onto your gi doesn't mean your belt is any cleaner than your gi after training. Wash your belt. Wash it. And if all your jujitsu skills can be undone by one load of wash, then did you really have much skill to begin with? Myth number seven, great competitors are great teachers. This really isn't jujitsu specific, it's sports specific, but just because someone is really good at doing something doesn't mean they are really good at teaching something. If you were presented with the choice between training under a world champion or someone who isn't a world champion, it seems like a very obvious pick, choose the world champion. But it's important to remember that not everyone teaches or coaches well just because they can do something well. A better metric to look at would be how many students have also become world champions, not just the coach themselves. There will be great competitors who are also great instructors, big Lachlan Giles fan over here, but there will also be competitors who are amazing athletes, but you'd struggle to actually learn from them. Competition results, a great teacher they do not make. Myth number eight, it's better to get in shape before you start training. Really the best way to get in shape is jujitsu. I am biased, but I am also right. The best way to get in shape for jujitsu is more jujitsu. Jujitsu should be part of a balanced life. I like to think of myself as a hybrid athlete. I love jujitsu. I love hockey. I love running and triathlon. I love lifting. Jujitsu is a big part of what keeps me fit, but if I had to cut out everything else and could only keep one, I would keep jujitsu and it would still keep me in shape. Admittedly, this one mostly applies to new people or people who haven't started training yet, but have an interest. The idea that you need to be in shape first is just wrong. And people who are considering training probably aren't enjoying this fine episode. So please make sure you share it with your friends. Jiu Jitsu is easier if you're in shape. Yes, but it's never actually going to be super easy. So if you're waiting to be in shape to make it easier when you start, then you're on a fool's errand. Just start now and let the fitness take care of itself. Myth number nine, you're too old, too young, too small, too big for jujitsu. As I've discussed previously, jujitsu can be for everyone. Do you think you're too old to start? You're not. You can do jujitsu until you're 120 years old. You might not win an adult black belt world championship, but you can be on the mat training every day of your life until you give up the ghost. Think you're too small? You're not, and I guarantee you someone smaller than you is training. Think you're too big? Same answer. If you want to train, you can. No matter what you look like or what shape you're in, just get on the mat. Again, this one is probably aimed at people who aren't yet training, so make sure you hit that share button and let's get more people on the mat. Because the more people that train jiu-jitsu, the better the world will be. So there you have it, nine jiu-jitsu myths that we should all stop believing. I hope you enjoyed my list, and I'm sure there's a few you could add to it. Hit the link in the episode notes to head over to YouTube, and you can get involved in the comments. Plus, you can watch the video version of this and every episode, and there's stuff on YouTube that doesn't work audio only, like match highlights and technique breakdowns. Thanks so much for listening, and I will see you all next time.